Hi there, it's Jean. Thanks for checking in with us here at Just Stories. So glad to have you here. As we introduce today's podcast, I just want to keep two words in mind. Uh, one word is change, and the other word is unity. And um, I bring up these two words because if you listen to the podcast with those two words in mind, um, you just might take a little more extra out of the interview. Um, change is inevitable, so it's always going to happen. It's how we handle the change that defines us as individuals and as a community. And unity is something that we all can achieve uh, in order to bring the best out of one another and hold each other tight or hold on loosely as we all try to achieve a main goal of justice, peace, and love. And keep in mind, it's unity, not uniformity. So diversity is welcome. Just keep those two things in mind, um, two words in mind as we listen to uh, tonight's interview with Calvin Terrell. We hope you enjoy it. And just as a side note, there is some mention of violence and suicide. Hello and welcome to Just Stories. We share inspiring stories of real people leading lives impacted by social justice, advocacy, and service. Here, how our guests have used their experiences to make a difference in the lives of others. And remember, it's all about the story, theirs and yours. Just Stories. Okay, so tonight we are really excited um, to bring Calvin Terrell to our podcast. Uh, Calvin and I have known each other for a few years now with the work that he's done at our school district. And um, let me just read a little bit from his bio, um, just so that you you all can uh, get to know him real quick. Um, so Calvin Terrell is a founder and leader facilitate, lead facilitator of Social Centric Institute, which is an organization that he designed to provide education and training for all ages to enhance human interactions and global progress. For the past 25 years, Calvin has lectured, trained, and led comprehensive workshops for valuing diversity, equity, and justice building in schools, corporations, and civic organizations for thousands of adults, children, and youth throughout the United States. And I'm just so happy that we can have this time um, just to listen to and chat with Calvin because um, I think that he's just really awesome and he does such great, great work. So um, thank you, Calvin, for being with us tonight. Thank you, Jean. Thank you. That was sweet. And Mark, thank you both of you for just holding this kind of space to do this work. A lot of times these spaces happen after a crisis. So I just applaud you all for being proactive. It's been, it's, yeah, thanks. It's been a real um, kind of pleasure for us to get to know folks like yourself who are doing wonderful work and uh, to learn a lot along the way. So yeah, it's been, it's been a neat experience for us. And we're happy to get, get back at it. We've had a little pause. Uh, we've all been, you know, busy in life, but we're really excited to get back at it with and to, to get to know you a little bit, Calvin. All right. 
So Kevin, you, you're out in Arizona and we are in Illinois. And um, can you just let us know, like, just a little bit as to how you got started with this work, because you've been doing it for a really long time. And, and it's also just a passion project. It seems like every time I see you working spaces and bringing people together and enlightening um, people with, with your beliefs and your messages. And oh, how did that all start? Yeah, so... Quickly, I will just do that. I want to honor, I do this, your ancestors, my ancestors, our ancestors. I'm sitting here alone, but I believe our ancestors are with us. I believe they come in all colors, yellow, black, white, red, and brown, whatever you call humanity. Uh, some of our ancestors did evil and some of them did beauty. And we are the physical consequences of their actions. Uh, I want to honor the land. We're in the United States, land of the free, home of the brave. But here in Arizona, before this was called the USA, this was Mexico, 1848 Mexican session. And before these lands were called the United States and Mexico, these are all lands of indigenous people. I happen to be in the land of the Otom, Tona Otom, uh, people of the desert. So we are simultaneously the land of the free, home of the brave, but also the land of the thief, home of the slave. Mm -hmm. And we gotta heal that. So how I came to be here in Arizona um, I had a friend by the name of Andre Carpenter. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, originally. And at 17 years old, uh, he was killed uh, by a young man getting caught up in neo-Nazi stuff. Um, he killed Rudy because he was black. I was very angry, uh, wanted to retaliate, was going down a very destructive path, and then realized I was basically kind of spitting on my friend's memory. So me and another friend, um, decided to uh, basically teach peace. We took a road trip from St. Louis to LA, three days, you know, packed up a cooler full of bunch of Wonder Bread and Easy Cheese and bologna. It was disgusting, but it tasted good. <laughs> and uh, we drove from St. Louis to LA. And on that trip, we made a 180. We decided to die for justice, even people that hate us, to teach them that you don't have to blow out other people's candles to make yours burn brighter. Mm. And then the next summer I was in LA again with an uncle, came to Arizona on a fluke, went on a blind date and I married her. Mm. And wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. yeah. And um, I left St. Louis with a hundred dollars in my pocket, but a lot of love in my heart. Oh, wow. And um she introduced me to a lot of different concepts here, justice work she was doing uh, with various faith communities, the Baha'i community, Islamic, Christian, uh, indigenous peoples, Jewish folk. And uh, now I'm talking with you on Zoom. Mm. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> That's the romantic That's picture, the romantic right? version? You want, you want the outtakes, right? <laughs> Those would be more fun. All the romantic's good. The romantic's good. You want the too. bloopers? No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. How so, long ago was that? That was wow, 1990 when Rudy was killed. 1991 when I moved to Arizona. Okay. Uh, we were married uh, 30 years this past November. Wow. Congratulations. Thanks. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. When I've seen you working and, and, and bringing spaces together and, and 
just being there. It's it's such an or it's such an organic experience, first of all. But it seems like you always have this yeah. calmness to you. And even though people in the spaces might not feel very comfortable going through the conversations that ensue, um, there is this calmness, assuredness, confidence that they're going to make it to the other side. Mm. Um, and I would just like to know, fingers <laughs> crossed, I would just like to know how long did it take you to get to that calm peace, mm. you know, yeah. sort of way? I mean, has it always been that way? It might be an unfair question to ask, but you just, like I said earlier, you just make it look so easy. Um, yeah. You know, I'm still working on it, Gene. Mm. I, I don't think I'll get it till I die. Mm. And um, so you and I have been in spaces where it's been some intense emotions. Yeah. You know? And um, I am a survivor of injustice and I have been an unjust person myself. Uh, I've been a bully at one point and I was bullied. Um, there's a lot of prejudices about all types of identity issues that were given to me before I could say no thank you. Mm. Issues around gender, uh, religion, race, sexuality, class, all kind of stuff. Um, and I'm a survivor, you know, of a lot of sexual assault, physical abuse, uh, a lot of different things, just overt white supremacy to subtleties, you name it. And when those spaces that calm you're talking about, what I try to do is, I'm not trying to be better than anybody. I'm trying to be better than my past self. Mm. And I'm also trying to turn pain into power. So people that have survived hell, I believe we have the power to build heavens if we're still living. And so in that space, it really isn't me. It's me sort of, it's funny, you all talk about stories, but everything around us is a story. This is a story. There's a story, this room, this computer, everything has story. And so what I'm trying to do is to be a channel, a vessel to draw out the trauma in our stories so that we can triumph, that we can turn failures into fuel and that it's not, about me saying the right thing. It's about being the right kind of being for that moment. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. No, I think perfect sense. Yeah, it really does. And so in your time of doing this, have you seen a change in people's reception to? Yeah, yeah. And I've worked across from Maui to Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, you have Mississippi to Minnesota and a bunch of Missouri's in between. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'll give you one since you all like stories. Uh, I have a shirt. I don't have it with me, but a, the shirt, it's an SS Nazi Gestapo symbol in the middle of the shirt. And it's surrounded with this uh, words. And you've seen this, Jane. It says yeah. support to local white boy. Yeah. So this was a shirt of a, a young person that was very much involved in a neo-Nazi organization. And they're very active here in the state of Arizona. 
They kill undocumented people in the desert. They've infiltrated law enforcement, healthcare. And this shirt was given to me in 1998, eight years after Rudy was killed. And the kid that gave me this shirt, uh, they were trained out in Kingman. In Kingman, Arizona is where Terry Nichols and Timothy McVeigh were trained. They blew up the Murrell building in Oklahoma in 1995. Mm -hmm. Today, as a matter of fact, it was uh, 419 uh, in 1995. Mm. 420 is the anniversary of Adolf Hitler's birth, by the way. Right. So this kid was trained out in Kingman, lethal, lethal. And these were court-ordered situations, youth that were in juvenile detention or different things go to this stuff. And it was kind of like these camps I would host. And it was kind of a way to like, okay, this is kind of like your last shot. Are you going to be tried as an adult? So that was rough characters up there. I mean, I've been punched in the face, kicked in the balls. I don't know if I could say that. Uh, I had a kid jump on my back with a knife once. I was pushed out of a window. I had all kind of junk happen, right? So this kid wouldn't talk to me. This kid would turn and talk to their friend and their friend was a real hater, but their friend was like one of those neo-Nazi types that wasn't full blown. Like this kid would listen to like Dr. Dre eat Mexican food, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> this kid wouldn't talk to me because if they spoke to me, they would be acknowledging that I was human. This kid literally believed that I was subhuman, that I was a speaking uh... ape. So that if they talked to me, they would be acknowledging my humanity. He would mm -hmm. kill me, but he wouldn't talk to me. Mm -hmm. so you have to meet people sometimes in their logic you know i always tell folks in fighting monsters don't become one mm -hmm. so i said you know i'm in a group and there's all kind of kids in here youth you know i mean 16 17 you know and just rough hard characters from different backgrounds and i was like hey who's ever heard uh about humans having sex with animals and they're like what I was like, you know, humans having, you know, sexual relations with animals. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, if you ever hear about the animal having a half human, half goat, half human, half dog, half human, half chimp kind of thing. And they're like, dude, that can't happen. And I was like, come on, humans, you know, especially men. And it was all men. You know, we do twisted stuff. You ever hear about it? the animal having half human, half? And they're like. That can't happen. That's like in the animal kingdom, it happens. There's ligers, right? And mules. Mules are a donkey and a, a horse. A liger is a lion and a tiger. And they're like, yeah, this one kid was like a farmer kid. He's like, yeah, but they can't reproduce. He's like, they can't reproduce. And I was like, okay. And I was like, let me ask you this question. Let me back up. I was like, Washington, Jackson, Jefferson. Those are last names. I said, are those names typically associated with white people or black people? And that kid said, those are inward names, but he didn't say inward. Mm. He said those are inward names, mm. and then some. A bunch of the neo-Nazi white kids were laughing, like yeah, 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 yeah. But then there was some like Nation of Islam black kids in here that was hard too, and they were like ready to go to war. I was like, relax, you know who you are. Mm -hmm. And I said those are inward names, and I said it. Mm. And they were like, oh yeah, they were laughing. I was like. Yeah, those are, huh? Those inward names. And they were really loving it. Mm. And I said, but you know what? Those ha also happen to be the names of U.S. presidents, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Andrew Jackson. I said, so when these devilish white men rape African women over and over and over, I was like, how were those women able to reproduce? Mm. 
if I'm subhuman. This kid looked at me for a very long time and began to talk to me. And before they got on that bus, they said, I know my family's gonna kick my, you know what? They used a word for donkey. <laughs> and they said, uh, but I don't wanna be a part of this anymore. And I held that kid in my arms for 10 minutes as they sobbed crying, yeah. heaving crying. This boy was sobbing. Cause I know he had probably killed people like me cause they would take homeless folks out and hunt them in the desert. And that was 1998, Rudy was killed in 1990. When I was sitting there holding that boy and feeling his sobbing, I realized I was honoring my friend's memory. Mm. But the frustrating thing is that kid gave me that and I walked away. Justice won't be served until the people that do the oppressive things. So my white brothers and sisters and however they identify, I need you to develop that type of tenacity and that type of willingness to take the, the punches in the face, the blows, to enter and transform. So that's one story, but of many. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's a transformative story for him that uh, unfortunately in my mind is more of the exception than the rule. Um, I wonder how many stories there are like that uh, versus stories that that don't happen like that, that, that oh, need yeah. to happen. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating because, you know, there's in my family where, okay, let me go alphabetical order, <laughs> agnostic, atheist, Baha'i, various Christian denominations, uh, indigenous belief systems, uh, Jewish, and this kind of Muslim Wiccan combo. <laughs> right <laughs> um and um the jewish folk in my family betala uh her family escaped the holocaust from belgium and uh she she would always give me this stuff from the southern poverty law center she was like you fight the nazis this is great you know she would this she loved it and <laughs> because she saw her whole family slaughtered and she's she says she's culturally jewish she's passed on god rest her soul but she was culturally Jewish, but religiously atheist because she was like, where's God when God, her family was being slaughtered? And so this, this thing you said, Mark, about that being the exception, so true. You know, these, these guys were telling me back in 2007, if you look up a USA Today article on August 8th of uh, 2008, there is an article about how neo-Nazis wanted Barack Obama to win the election. And because they said if he would win the election, they felt more people would join neo-Nazi movements in the United States. And it worked. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there has been a rise then. I, I don't know the statistics, but am I, am I right to say there's been a rise mm -hmm. in white supremacy participation? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. proud boys. Right, right. And 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 really, what they are? They're 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 scared. Yeah. They're they're scared of if you believe race is real, right? The other meaning for the race, the word race, is a competition, right? But if you believe that somehow we're different species, then you're living in a constant worry of being outdone, outsmarted, outnumbered. 
and definitely outgunned. There's always this worry of being outed in some way versus learning to share power and share the earth. Mm-hmm. Justice. Right. And this diversification that you talk about bringing everybody together as far as, you know, as far as I know, every, every living, breathing um, community is supposed to thrive on diversification. They're not, not solid, you know, not uh, singularity. Like if you even take a look at your own body. Exactly. You have different organs all doing different jobs um in order yeah. to make that one body move and go and so the diversification is necessary so it's inevitable and <laughs> i mean every micro uh, microcosm that exists um you need that gene, diversification gene you said it our cells are all made of the same exact stuff right mm-hmm. but no two cells are identically structured no if you get a cluster of cells together that are identical you know what that's called it's cancer cancer <laughs> Answer. Sounds like we've been reading from Second uh, Corinthians, I think, tonight lately too. Talk about that from Paul as well. Um, different parts of the body, and that makes the whole, right? Yeah. And so, um, and that just goes. He's talking about, I think, the church, and that goes for all of humanity, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you must have an interesting, uh, a wonderful uh, family gatherings with the diversity in your family. <laughs> Oh man, they Thanksgiving must be interesting, they're, they're, huh? <laughs> well, it's funny because in our family, Thanksgiving, there's people that celebrate it, but then there's peace in our family where we fast. We see it as a celebration mm-hmm. of genocide. Yeah. So we do like Yom Kippur, like atonement. So okay. we'll fast and 13 hours before Thanksgiving starts, and then we talk about indigenous ways. Mm-hmm. And so there's this mixture. So there's love and sparks. That's all I can say. My family <laughs> gathering a lot of love and sparks. <laughs> well, I think that's exciting, though, right? I mean, that's a dull moment, right? I mean, and I'm sure there's a lot of acceptance. Oh, yeah. I mean, radical. And the beautiful thing about our family is, like, the peoples that we're missing in our family are Northeast Asian folks, Southeast Asian folks and um pacific islander but the rest of the world is there mm. and we don't get along all the time <laughs> okay <laughs> and so we have like that's like some of my best friends like when you when you expand our our spiritual family to the community all the world's peoples are in my spiritual family mm-hmm. all peoples, right and when we get together it's not this romantic thing like i was saying like real relationships are messy Oh, absolutely. So we bump into each other. We step on toes. There's microaggressions. People say the wrong things. And, but the thing about it is because we are literally family, we have to learn how to repair and heal and work through it. Mm-hmm. And I know that's like the underscore of a lot of the work that you do, trauma-informed um, healing and self-discovery and like you said earlier bringing the pain into power um i know i'm just going to speak from the um high school perspective right now because a lot of our high schoolers from my point of view as a high school english teacher um i've seen my students just uh sort of lose themselves the last couple of years 
um, lose touch with their friends, lose touch with themselves, lose touch with authority um, and school altogether. Um, but yet there's still the this population of kids that still are striving, still are reaching, still are moving. And um, I'm waiting for, for that small surge to kind of like blossom and overtake because right now a lot of our kids are sort of like in the wake of this yeah. uh, confusion. Um, are you seeing the same? Cause I know that you work a lot with the youth um, and uh, they always surprise me, you know, the one minute I think that they've, you know, they've done something, they do something else. And it's, it's a, a nice surprise. So there's two sides to this, right? Two specific like concepts or stories I'll tell you related. One is very sad and disturbing. And one is like exhilarating. Um, so my work is essentially three forms intervention. There's been a school shooting, a riot, uh, some kid ODs on fentanyl, complete suicide because of a spectrum of phobias, xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia, neurophobia, mm. uh, people that are neurodiverse. And uh, I go in and try to de-escalate, do some healing work, right? Prevention, prevention of the school to prison pipeline, the disproportionate amount of particularly native, black, Latinx, Islander, and Pinoy kids oftentimes that are basically from the school to the prison pipeline. Mm -hmm. uh, and as well as low, lower SES white kids, and I, I've done work in Casper, Wyoming around that. It's the cross the tracks thing, right? Kansas. Um, and then promotion is the third aspect of my work is promotion the oneness of humanity, promoting ways for us to share power in a way that doesn't hurt each other or the earth, right? Mm -hmm. So one school uh, years ago, fourth grade girl, stole another girl's phone, um, took a picture of her private parts, wrote, I F myself with the picture, sent it to a whole bunch of kids. Uh, because it came from the other girl's phone, horrible things went out. Fourth grade girl completed suicide. Fourth grade. Mm, devastating. Now, we have passed on this bloody baton. You know why? Because what that was, was a manifestation of gossip in social media. Social media is just a manifestation of old world gossip. But we have built intimate relationships on gossip for so long. The way we really share and connect, I call it intimacy junk food, gossip. And gossiping has now manifested, that social violence has so rolled down into gook now that literally our children are taking their lives because of what happens on social media. That is our fault. Because we have not evolved in our way of building platonic, healthy intimacy. We do it through gossip and backbiting and all this junk. And I'm not saying we're perfect, we do, but we haven't learned how to hold space. Like when somebody tells us, instead of talking to them about the person, have a conversation about you feeling better. You want to say some more? Let me hold space. Cuss like a sailor. I'm not going to talk to you about them. I'm going to talk to you about you. I'll hold space for you to say what you need to say. Right. Now, on the beautiful side of that with youth and children, there's an old series of books called the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. 
there's a story about my work in uh, a book called uh, a series called Chicken Soup for the Soul. And it was about my Unitown camps where I would take youth up to the mountains here in Arizona. And I learned uh, there was this really powerful, this kid, um, this kid's walking home, got all their stuff from their locker, right? Everything, right? Going home, passes by a field where some kids are playing soccer, football, trips. And a youth told this at one of my camps, drops all their stuff. This kid ran out of the middle of the game and helped this kid pick up all their stuff, just picking up papers and books and stuff that was blowing around and just was generous. And the kid was like shocked, like, wow, thanks. They're like, no problem. Hey, you want to join the game? Kid was like, no, nah, I'm going home. They're like, all right, we're out here every day. Kid leaves. These two kids, they were both ninth graders, freshmen. They didn't know each other. They didn't become the best of friends. But after that exchange, they'd always be like, hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? Right. The kid that was walking home became valedictorian. At the high school graduation, this kid is given the speech. My ninth grade year, they say, was the worst year of their life. Their parents got divorced, blah, 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 blah. Life was horrible. They had decided that they were going to kill themselves. And they said, they made a deal. If one person said hello to them that day, one, they wouldn't take their life. Oh. They went through the whole day and not even a teacher said hello. Mm. So they had taken everything out of their locker because they didn't want their family to have to come to school to get their stuff after they killed themselves. Oh. They took everything. And as they were walking home, this kid said, I slipped and a total stranger helped me. And that kid pointed that kid out in the audience and said, you saved my life that day. Mm. Now, was that some magnanimous act of justice? No, that was just letting your heart burn with love and kindness for all who cross your path. Let your heart burn with loving kindness. Mm -hmm. What a story, what a story. And we've found here that sometimes justice comes in, in big bites and sometimes it's just in the everyday small things that we do. Yeah. Letting your heart burn with love and mercy. Thank you for that story. You know, I think you are, you, you uh, highlighted the, the untaught, uh, I don't call it a skill, but ability to show empathy, right? And the way that the school systems are set up, you don't teach it, right? And it's not required. Um, it's not on the SAT. Hmm. It, it's, you know, a teacher doesn't get evaluated on their level of empathy. Uh, it's not on the student's report card either. But most of the memorable moments that students experience and teachers as well are moments like that filled with empathy oh. and sincerity. Yeah. Um, tattoos on our heart. Mm -hmm. And not, not footprints, tattoos. Mm -hmm. Some of those tattoos are really painful. They're really ugly. So what do you say? to our listeners. Um, we've, we've been talking about systemic injustice and systemic problems, privatization. Um, but when we bring it to a, down to a kind of a personal level, as someone who might be listening to us right now, 
and maybe they've got kids uh, or they've got family. Um, do you have any stories or suggestions from a yeah. personal level? How, how do I help my kid to get it? So consider this, uh, this analogy. If you learn that, that you and your family, that the source of your oxygen, the source of your food, that the source of your food and oxygen was simultaneously, slowly suffocating thousands of other families, what would you do? That you, you and your family, that the source of your food and oxygen, that that same source was simultaneously suffocating thousands of other families, what would you do? And what it boils down to, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. We have to sacrifice comfort, mentally, emotionally, physically, socially, maybe even spiritually. Because the only difference between humankind and the rest of the animal kingdom is that we will sacrifice over something illogical called love. We will risk our life for love. The rest of the animal kingdom, an alpha predator comes, the kids, it's a wrap, they're done. They're, they're running away. But we'll fight to the death for love. So if you love your family, teach your family how to sacrifice. Not serve, not a season of giving. A lot of turkeys and hams, I was just working with a group here called Human Services that does work with homelessness here in Arizona. And a lot of turkeys and hams are given out in November and December. People still hungry in April. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So instead of receiving a giving, a season of giving, what about a culture of sacrifice and service? When we teach that, that's where our humanity shows up. These are the stories of the messengers of God. All the messengers of God, all their stories are about sacrifice. They, they risked their lives, gave their lives. And so if you're not willing to sacrifice, you're, I mean, in the language of the English, if you, split the, if you flip the word live, a 180, it spells evil. Hmm. Edmund Burke. The only way good evil survives is when good men do nothing. So what you can do right now is teach your children, teach your family what it means to risk. And that, if we don't do that, I'm going to leave you with this. The results will be catastrophic. Because if we keep repeating history, friends, with the tech that we have now, who was it? Einstein said, I don't know how World War III will be fought, but World War IV will be fought with rocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's time to be just better than history. Mark, the question, it's really simple. It's just about, I got to show my family and I do it. Mm -hmm. If I'm comfortable, I'm complicit. 
So what does that mean for me, for us, let's say as men? That means when we're out maybe with a group of straight cis guys and they're saying stuff about women, that we risk losing our friendships. Be like, hey, man, you know, what well, that was your sister. Mm-hmm. You know? Would you say that about your mom? Um, or even deeper, like, hey, uh, why, you know, I noticed everybody in the room right now making decisions. It's all dudes. What's going on? Right? Like, hey, what are the thoughts of people that don't look like us? You know? Hey, was that statement anti-Black? You know, why is it, why are we afraid to bring up like the old yellow peril, the East Asian hate that's showing up in our country? You know? Hey, how do you feel about that as a white person? You know, do you, like, to the other non-white folks in the room, let's get all perspective, like, and like, let's build the mental, emotional, spiritual, social muscles to have these questions in a way that we're not hijacked by the identity prejudices. They don't emotionally hijack us. They were developed enough fortitude to have the conversation and then work through it. But we only build that muscle is when we learn to sacrifice. And not just in a season of giving, but a culture of it, a practice of it. I hear, you know, I hear the word love and I hear the word sacrifice. And we're loving and sacrificing people that we're around, but we're loving and sacrificing for people that we'll never see. And uh, that's loving humanity. Absolutely. I think that was a really great way to end tonight's conversation, even though I want to have it continue. Um, I just want to thank you so much, Calvin, for spending time with us across the miles. Again, you did it again. We shared space. And again, my mind is just blown in so many different ways. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, my website is Calvin, just like the Klein or the Hobbs, whatever you like. <laughs> um, Terrell, uh, as T is in tango, E is in echo, R-R-E-L-L.com. Uh, if you go to my website, calvinterrell.com, um, if you just become a subscriber, that means just put in your email. You can download, uh, I did a TED Talk in 2019 and it's called Social Spiritual Evolution. And they could download a, like a 28 page curriculum to leave with that and it's free. Uh, but yeah, I wanna, my work essentially is interrupt evil, stop oppression, prevent violences and promote virtues and the sharing of power for all the world's peoples in ways that doesn't hurt each other or the earth. Because if it hurts the earth, it has no work. That's why people are trying to move to the suburbs of Mars right now. Right? You, did you just make that up? If it hurts the earth? It has no worth. Yeah. It has no worth. Yeah. I say that in my TED talk. Yeah. Love it. So, so Jean, Jean said your mind was blown again and mine as well. And, you know, with, with, uh, some of these podcasts, uh, and especially this one, I'll know I want to, I have the pleasure of listening to this a few times because I do some editing work. So I get the <laughs> chance to listen to it a couple of times. Um, but for our audience out there, you Just Story listeners, uh, give this one a second listen and maybe a third listen, because I'm sure we'll all be hearing things uh, in a little deeper ways and different ways when we hear it again. And then visit, uh, we encourage you to visit uh, Kelvin's website and that that link will be on uh, on our on our. Um, podcast as well. So you can access it there.
Thank, Thank you, you so much, Calvin. Thank you Thank once you. again. Best wishes to you and your family. And um, thanks for everything that you do every single day, every single hour, every single minute. Likewise, likewise. And that wraps up this episode of Just Stories. We hope you've enjoyed this time and you'll join us again. Just Stories is a partnership with Our Savior's Lutheran Church, an ELCA member church, where all are welcome and we join in God's reconciling work which prioritizes disenfranchised, vulnerable, and displaced people in our communities and the world. Your hosts are people of Christian faith, and we recognize that God works through many vehicles, including those of differing faith or of no faith. Our guests may or may not be members of Our Savior's Lutheran Church. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend, and please subscribe. Tune in next time for more of Just Stories.